Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm Colby Aaron Berkshire, joined alongside, of course, by Kyle Marshak. And we're going to be talking here a little bit about the Super Bowl. Uh, it's a little bit late. I do apologize for that. We are recording this here uh, February 18th. The so Super Bowl has kind of uh, faded out a little bit, but we did want to touch up on that uh, on the Super Bowl and touch up on a little bit of the start of this NFL offseason, uh, in particular the uh, mock draft that just came out by uh, Tom McShay as a mock draft season and free agency season is going to be the name of the game pretty frequently here on the podcast uh, all the way up until late April. Um, so, yeah, very exciting times here and a very exciting Super Bowl. Kyle, were you able to actually not were you able to watch it? I know you're able to watch it. You and I texted that day. Uh, how did you enjoy the game? It was fun. I got the uh, whole crew up on my floor here watching the game. It was a blast. Obviously, it's it's really like, you know, America's main uh, sporting event, I guess, is the only way to put it. It's like the um, Kentucky Derby of football, um, although mm. it's really a poor a poor um, metaphor for it because football is the main thing. And so obviously there's a lot of buzz. I mean, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Slusher Tower before here on Virginia Tech's campus, but we don't have the largest lounge in the world. And we probably mm. squeezed, I'd say at one point, a good 20, 22 kids in here. So everybody as expected, was ready to watch this game. And it was back and forth. And you know what? It was a tight score towards the end. So I was really uh, grateful to see a close Super Bowl for once. Yeah, it's definitely very exciting for that. Uh, for me, because Xfinity, for some odd reason, you can only watch things with home Wi-Fi. I was able to watch it, but I watched it in a unique way. For some reason, and this is something I didn't know, the AOL app allowed me to watch the Super Bowl. So... I, I just got a notification on my phone from AOL and I'm like, all right, let's swipe it. I mean, I'd, I'd rather not have to go out to a bar or stuff right now as I'm trying to uh, l- limit like, you know, going out to like a bar or restaurant or that type of stuff, not just throw out money when I don't need to. And lo and behold, I just watched it on my phone and it was a very enjoyable game. Um, but to even get into the game here as honestly, there's not a lot to talk about and that's not in, in a bad way. It's just more of like, you know, we all watch the game. So it's not like uh, I don't think there's really going to be any like crazy, crazy takes that we can have here. Really, what I want to do is I want to get some of the highlights here. And there's really three things that I can touch up on, which is first the miss face mask call on the uh, like opening drive for that first score. Um, then you also have a weird defensive holding call in the fourth quarter against the Bengals. And then for some odd reason, the defensive coordinator putting up uh, Eli Apple against Cooper Cup, which feels like an absolute sin. So with those in mind, um, I mean, really, I think it's just reasonable to talk about here. Like face mask, was that missed? The defensive holding, uh, if you remember the one that I'm calling, it's like the one that was uh, that pushed him to like that first down in the red zone. Was that actually a holding? And then why was Apple covering Cup ever? Yeah, you know what? Eli Apple on Cup, that's what I'm going to start with. I mean, I think it's just common sense at this point. Um, I mean, they had Cup lined up in the slot kind of for that play. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's Apple was shifted on him. But um, either way, I mean, you got to shift Apple off to, you know, just deeper coverage. You don't need him on the best receiver. I think that was evident. Um, they could have had a different guy on him. Um, not that the defensive core is really that strong for um, – uh, the Bengals. I mean, they have a decent secondary, but it's definitely not Jalen Ramsey type secondary. Oh, so, yeah. you know, that was a head scratcher. 
And as for the face mask, I mean, you see hands to the face all the time, although I'd say that one was kind of bleak. It could go both ways. And for the defensive mm-hmm. hole, that one seemed a little ticky tack to me. But again, something that can go both ways. Honestly, the part of the game that I'm most interested in that I've been seeing go viral a lot. If you look at a replay of the final play, the decisive play at the, I believe, seven or eight yard line for the Rams, the O-line got up early. It was a clear early start for the mm-hmm. O-line got up just before the ball was snapped and it was close enough where in real time, the refs didn't call it. But when you look back at it, it was pretty blatant because you see the D linemen jolting up because the O-line, all four of which, except for the center come up. So clearly it was a miscommunication where um, Whitworth, the, the goat himself was not snapping the ball at the moment that was expected. And sure enough, they almost, you know, gave up a really, really big amount of yards towards the the end stretch of the game. Um, So that's what I'm most interested in. So for fans listening, look it up. You can see an image where the ball is not yet snapped by Whitworth and the entire O-line is up off their hands and ready to block. So um, that's just something I noticed. That's something that's been going viral on social media as of late. And that's definitely the missed call I'm most interested in. Yeah, I actually didn't see that one, Um, but that is a little bit crazy if it was missed. Though granted, uh, one of the things that the uh, commentator said, which I do absolutely agree with, is uh, they 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 did seem to kind of let both sides kind of play a little bit, and they were a little bit lenient on some things. Like there are some holds and whatnot that weren't called uh, as the refs were kind of letting it go, which is part of the reason why that defensive holding I think did go was called against Cincinnati. Um, but before I even fully get into that, my reasoning behind it is. I think that they did kind of realize that they missed that face mask. It, it, it's like, I, I get what you mean. It was kind of like, a, you know, like half dozen one, half dozen the other, but like it, it was more so to me that that should have been called as a face mask. And I was the one that was kind of like, I, 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 I won a good game, but obviously I picked the Bengals and I'd been with the Bengals the whole playoffs. So I, I personally didn't mind too much with that in mind, but, uh, I did kind of look at it. I'm like, that should have been called for a face mask. I'm very surprised how that wasn't. But I think that's kind of why that defensive holding towards the red zone did get called. Um, it really wasn't defensive holding. It was like really good coverage, I believe, by Logan Wilson um, was the person who got called on. And then that play led to like that first down and like inside the 10. And that was what kind of led LA to that last drive with uh, – which ended in that touchdown to Cooper Cup. Really, I think the worst thing about the game, though, obviously it's a quote-unquote recency bias because it was one of the last plays of the game, was Eli Apple on Cooper Cup. Um, I get what you mean, maybe, for the fact that he was lined up in the slot was why Eli was there, but to me, I'm pretty sure Chidobe Awuzie is someone who's taken reps at the slot. I believe he did in Dallas. I could be wrong with that. But on top of that, Chidobe Awuzie was having a very solid game uh, against Los Angeles, he had an interception. I believe that he just had some good coverage overall. Cooper Cup didn't have like it, as insane of a game as I expected him to until like the fourth quarter. Then like the ball was just forced to him by Matt Stafford. Um, you know, kind of evidently why he became the MVP. And I just think that if you would have had Chidobe Awuzie there, we'd be talking about a different winner today. Um, over the Rams, Eli Apple was just dreadful. Uh, he's not that good of a corner. Like it's it's very much like there, like with Apple and Vernon Hargreaves and Trey Waynes, like a little bit of like the the um, le- leftovers in a sense on in the secondary. 
which was an issue for Cincinnati because we didn't expect their defense to be good. But obviously when you're getting to the Super Bowl, when you're having to have Eli Apple take as many reps as he has to in the Super Bowl and in the AFC championship, something's going wrong because he, he just wasn't great in New York. He wasn't great in New Orleans. And yeah, just, I, I think it was a horrible decision to have him covering cup at all, particularly since Odell Beckham was out for the rest of that game. But yeah, I mean, Cincinnati kind of cost themselves with that. Yeah, I, I can't help but agree. I mean, uh, I don't like to get very political or religious on this podcast, but I've been hearing a lot of memes about how the last time an apple ruined, um, you know, a human existence so much, it was Adam and Eve. And I got a real kick <laughs> out of that because I know a lot of betters lost some money um, because of Eli Apple's coverage and just a streaking, mm-hmm. I guess I wouldn't say comeback, but definitely a come from behind win. Um, for the Rams and especially that fourth quarter. Um, I'm sure a lot of betters lost some money that they did not expect to lose. Absolutely. Particularly with that start that Cincinnati had. I mean, though, the one thing that I'll even say here uh, on this game, uh, at least my last big point on it is the fact that Cincinnati had such an incredible start to that second half taking the lead, but then they really did nothing after that. Like the, the rest of that second half was just very much, uh, both defenses were doing all right, and the offenses just weren't able to get enough room to like, or just really weren't moving as they probably should have. So, I do think that is very much on the defensive setup there to have Eli Apple um, covering Cooper Cup, and there was also the decision that Zach Taylor took um, accountability for, which was when Samaji Pirine was on the field for that fourth down call rather than Chris Evans. And if Chris Evans was there, he probably would have caught that ball. That Burrow almost got off when they were trying to sack him. Um, so there, there was some personnel stuff towards the back part of the second half. But honestly, with how good that Cincinnati offense is, that the excuse shouldn't just fall to personnel issues for them. Um, it really should more be leaning towards, uh, you know, your offense should have got another score, whether it was a touchdown or a field goal. So... Uh, you know, no matter how much I like the Bengals, no matter how much that game was enjoyable, um, the Bengals did kind of cost themselves towards the end with not being able to continue to capitalize on their great start. Um, so that's ultimately the issue. Obviously, there are personnel things that you can point out and there's some calls that you can point out, but it's really just kind of going after it in that final game of the year. Um, and L.A. was able to kind of not only hold strong, but then we're able to come back. So. Ultimately, that's kind of what it comes down to. And great that L.A. won. Uh, great that you got it right. And, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the, the game was fun to watch. And, you know, the, the, there's nothing to really be disappointed in, particularly because that Cincinnati team's going to be back. And the Los Angeles team will – I don't know. We'll, we'll get to talk about that Los Angeles team, but there's a possibility they'll be back. I mean, they're still going to be pretty strong. McVay's an incredible young head coach. So, Yeah. Uh, unless you have anything else to say on the game, we can move into some more topics here from the Super Bowl. No, I think you summed it up good. All right, so let's then talk about some of the celebrity surprises that you thought were interesting. Um, I looked back, uh, and there's been clips, obviously, of celebrities uh, from the game, not only online at surface during the game, but then you also had, um, you know, stuff on the broadcast as well. So I found some things that are interesting. I obviously didn't see all of them. Um, but I, I know a few that were pointed out that I thought were kind of cool. Uh, Alex Morgan was in attendance, uh, U.S. Women's National Team legend. Uh, I thought that was a pretty cool one. LeBron James uh, was in a funny little Twitter 
video where he said hello to the student's mom uh, since he was in that, uh, since there was a, like a fan, I guess, in the area. So that was kind of funny. Um, and then the one big thing in which we'll talk more about when the halftime show came out, but 50 Cent showing up and pulling up into club was definitely something I did not expect and something I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll touch the halftime show after, um, but I think it was iconic. But yeah, the celebrity turnout was awesome. Um, obviously, if we're talking about different sports, um, LeBron James showing up was fun. He felt like he was switching sports for a second for sure. Um, you see him selling, especially when Odell got that touchdown. Um, otherwise, obviously, the celebrity turnout was awesome. I mean, what do you, what else do you expect? Um, mm-hmm. I, it's really bad. I mean, Sean Mendez, Will Ferrell, Ryan Gosling, um, Drake is there. And of course the rock was there to open things up, which was yep. interesting. Jennifer Lopez, Ben Affleck. I'm just looking at the list right now. Um, it, it the Super Bowl as of late has really, really turned into more of a social media, um, so, uh, celebrity turnout type of thing where it, it, it's really combining worlds with mainstream culture, um, mm-hmm. and not just sporting events. So it's, it's been really cool to see all the celebrity turnout. For sure. But I mean, granted, particularly when you're in L.A., you're going to be getting a lot more of those. Uh, oh, yeah. It was it was kind of something that I think you and I even talked before the Super Bowl. It's really what I expected, because it's like, you know, you're asking for these Cincinnati fans and the quote unquote Los Angeles Rams fans to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to get in there when their teams just don't go there that often. I don't know. So I, I expected all the, like, you know, the celebrities and it was definitely a lot of fun to see a lot of them. Um, definitely the rock was a little bit funny too. Um, but yeah, how about that halftime show? I mean, you know, again, y'all saw it. I saw it. Um, I'm really just going to open this up that that's the best halftime show that I have seen. Um, possibly the best in my lifetime. It was very, very good. I, you know, there are some people that talked about the set with me, but to me personally, I really loved it. Um, I liked really just kind of those smaller, um, you know, kind of like the that, that California area looking like homes um, with then the map below it being like that Los Angeles district, I, I, I presume. And then on top of that, it was just really good the songs that are played. Um, it was disappointing not to have more Kendrick uh, or even another uh, Eminem song. We only had the one, but I mean, hey, the re- it was still really good. It was well paced. It was well done. Um, I think my favorite part was probably the 50 Cent appearance, not only because I didn't expect it, but more specifically because of the callback to his, uh, you know, his music video from however many years ago. Um and watching that music video when I was younger and, you know, now seeing, uh, you know, it's close as what we can get of it again uh, with 50 cent at kind of where he's at, particularly since he's retired, he's been retired for so long was awesome. I got a big kick out of that. And yeah, I mean, honestly, for me personally, and uh, I, I think you'll agree with this as well as we both love this. I think this needs to, you know, this, this is going to be, I think the foundation for the NFL to be willing to go more into rap and hip hop as their halftime shows is those entertainers are very good as well as at what they do. And personally speaking, I, I, I know at the college football, he was kind of like, eh, it was like, all right, but I want to see Kendrick have his own halftime show. That's, 
that's been my thing since the end of this period. I want Kendrick to have his own halftime show because I think he'd kill it. Yeah. I mean, you, you just spoke to my heart right there. I don't know if you saw my tweet during the halftime show where I said we needed more Kendrick. I'm a huge Kendrick fan. Uh, mm-hmm. There's other performers I think that could hop on there. Um, you know, when I think of greatest of all time, that is definitely up there. But it's about the performers, too. Obviously, they yeah. did well because they had a great cast. They had five guys, Mary J. Blige, um, you know, Eminem. All of them are incredibly popular and all have their songs that everybody knows the words to. Um, I mean, for God's sake, Lose Yourself has to be probably the greatest rap song of all time, arguably. Um, and so when that hopped on, you bet me and the entire room was spitting that song. It was it was mm. awesome. Um, the song choice was excellent. The set was excellent. As you said, I love the set. And then the camera work was excellent, too. Um, both with Kendrick's little part and, of course, shifting the camera down to um, 50 Cent, dropping down like the music video and he was in the club. It was awesome. Um, yeah, he was. But again, when I think about the best halftime show of all time, that's certainly up there. Um, but when we talk about performers, like, man, what I would do to see someone like Prince perform today. Um, that's true. Rep- so it's really about the performers, too. They did great because they had a great cast. But mm-hmm. like, I heard J. Cole's a great performer and he's got several songs that would hit well. Um, imagine, imagine, you know, they tried to mix old and new hip hop with this. Imagine you just get. The, the three, you know, the four horsemen of, of current hip hop today, that would drive the world insane. If we had J. Cole, Kendrick, Kanye, um, and whoever you would consider that fourth member of that squad, um, probably Drake. There's a bunch of different names you could throw in there. Whatever it is, I think that would be uh, really killer. And like you said, I think this proof the NFL that throwing hip hop in there is a, a massive success because it, it touched all sorts of different generations with Kendrick being on there and, and uh, even Eminem a little bit. A lot of kids our age were having a blast. And then, of course, um, you know, we saw all the memes on social media about, you know, why is grandma dancing to the song right now? And, you know, they don't understand how big 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg and Dre was back in the 80s and 90s. So. Um, it was really awesome to see. It just puts a smile on my face just talking about it. No, I definitely like the idea as well with some of the guys that you brought up there, including J. Cole and uh, Kanye. I mean, I guess with that in mind, uh, something I hadn't even thought about, but I, I do want to bring up then is who would you want to see do the halftime show for 2023? Uh, and for if this does anything for you, I believe it's still going to be in Arizona. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough to tell because – you know, do we want to go back to back with the rap? You know, it was obviously, mm-hmm. like I said, um, my first pick would be probably, you know, Drake, Kanye, J. Cole and Kendrick, just as those are the fig, uh, board, four big names in the uh, rap game right now. If we don't go that route, it's tough to tell, um, you know, who's really going to hit the mainstream. Well, indie rock has gotten really big. And so there's a handful of names they could do with that. Um, you know, like hot red chili peppers was fun to watch that time, but we, it obviously showed that rock is not nearly as big as it used to be. Cause that was not nearly the uh, best halftime show we've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. like that back in the day when Prince did it, you know, what was that early two thousands, late nineties? Like that was a massive success. Um, there's just not as many performers. Um, so I would have to imagine that going, sticking with the rap route as of right now would be really good, but who knows, maybe they could go back into pop. I know Jason Derulo can really break it down, and he has a lot of old hits. So maybe bringing back the old pop um, would touch our generation very well. Um, so that that could be a route they could go to. 
Certainly. I mean, I, I, I was trying to see if there's any rappers uh, or like like artists in general from the Arizona area, um, because obviously you have Snoop Dogg and Dre, who are both from that, uh, you know, Compton, uh, uh, California area. And having both of them there was awesome. The only person I saw, which I don't think that <laughs> you could solely have them as a, a halftime show, would be like Stevie Nicks. So I don't think Fleetwood Mac could have a whole halftime show themselves. But I mean, if you even wanted that, uh, Kanye would be your guy to throw something on it. Um, I mean, now that you mentioned Kanye, though, no matter how controversial he is, he's got such a track list that is insane that he can just kind of mishmash whatever he wants to an incredible halftime show. So now that you've said Kanye, I do kind of want Kanye to be the next person. Um, but I mean, it could just kind of be anybody. There's just an insane list of people that could go and do it. I mean, it, it would just be great to see. Um, I mean, you could have another, you know, uh, like kind of mashup of, uh, hip hop artists as well. If you still don't want to just sell it on one person, like you could always just go and get, uh, some of the modern day guys who have mixed it with some of like the, uh, you, you know, more, uh, like guys from about 10 years ago or so kind of like if you want to get like a, like a Jack Harlow and Lil Wayne and uh, DJ Khaled and like some of those guys who've collaborated before to put together something. I don't know. I mean, I think Kanye would be the guy that I pick right now, but. Yeah. yeah. Before I talk about it, obviously he's such a big figure. Um, and I think NFL would be willing to take that risk, risk mm-hmm. and ask uh, because he is a risky personality to have on. You really never know what he would do. Um, but just considering he's probably one of the most popular people on the planet, I think it would be a massive success. Yeah, no, he would certainly kill it with his track lists and he's had great set designs as well. So um, the last thing here specifically from the game that we can touch up on is uh, the MVP and the MVP could have gone to, you know, numerous people could have went to Donald, could have went to Stafford. Um, but they did end up giving the MVP to Cooper Cup. Um, and from looking at the, from that, do you think that was the right choice? And also on top of that, I do want to add the question that a lot of uh, fans have posed of, was this the best wide receiver season of all time? So for best wide receiver season of all time, I mean, I saw the stat where no one else has ever done what he did this season. Um in the entirety of their career, except for who's the receiver I'm thinking of. Why can I not think of his name? Jerry Rice. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, no one's ever done that except for Jerry Rice, but Jerry Rice did it in the entirety of his career. He did it in one season, not to mention obviously the numbers he put up personally. Yes. I think this is the greatest wide receiving year of all time. And it came out of nowhere too. Cooper cup is such a bright young talent. Um, He's really fun to watch. He works well in the slot and wide out. He has breakout speed. His hands are excellent. His route running some of the best in the NFL. I think he's on the way to an easy Hall of Fame career at this point. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. Um, I think his being the MVP was definitely the best choice because Stafford was kind of eh. Like he was, he was relatively good, but, you know, three touchdowns to two interceptions and like, uh, gosh, I'm trying to do quick math here, but like, you know, maybe about 65% completion, maybe a little bit more. It's just not something that screams MVP to me. Whereas Cooper Cup catching eight of his 10 receptions for 92 yards and two touchdowns in a game that was, you know, pretty like, you know, it's a well-scored game. It's not low scoring. It's not high scoring. It's kind of like, it's just right. Um, it's, it's definitely where I would be like, yeah, I mean, completely Cooper Cup was kind of like the, 
big factor of those offenses as he was most of the year, particularly when you have Cam Akers going 13 to 21 uh, on the ground. So really all you had was the passing game. Um, and then for wide receiver season of all time, I mean, I would have to look more and more into Jerry Rice's statistics uh, for some, like some of his best, the best seasons, but I would be hard pressed to say that this isn't the best season of all time. I mean, Super Bowl MVP, offensive player of the year uh, set, um, I think records across the board, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe definitely records a uh, record in yards and receptions granted he have that one extra game, but still like he was the focal point of the offense. And we, you don't see that too often in receivers. We haven't seen that even from some of like the best of best receivers uh, from like these most recent generations, like, you know, you'll, you'll see it every now and then, but you don't see like you know, this type of season is a once in a blue moon type of thing. And Cooper Cup just kind of like he, he was able to really break out. Uh, and a lot of people have kind of liked his talent for a while, but to break out as he did and to get all the accolades that he did, it's I'm hard pressed to say that this isn't the best season of all time by a wide receiver. And yeah, I mean, would love to talk about it with anyone that's interested with talking about it, but I think most people are kind of on that wavelength of. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely best wide receiver season of all time. So, with that in mind, though, that's most everything with the Super Bowl. But we do have some stuff, obviously, to talk about here with the teams, and we need to talk about the future of both teams. So, how about here? Let's start with the losing side with the Cincinnati Bengals and what's really looking, oh, what they're looking for here in the future from this offseason onwards. Well, it's, it's tough to tell. First of all, I think Burrow could always use a little bit more protection. Um, so, you know, maybe looking for some O-linemen in the draft will help. Um, he's obviously a mobile quarterback in the draft, um, but it, it's definitely going to be important to protect him for a long time, considering the talent he's shown in his first couple of years. Um, with that being said, um, one statistic that I found very interesting is that teams, um, or at least quarterbacks, mind you, in their first Super Bowl who lost, never won um, a Super Bowl following that. So for a rookie quarterback to make it to the Super Bowl, he may never come back and win the Super Bowl again. So it's going to be interesting to see if he gets the journey back to the Super Bowl and how he would do that. Oh, he's certainly going to get back there. I mean, he's young, young, and he was very special in college, and he just had a very special season here in his second year. Um, I think the future of this team, particularly for this offseason, is quite simple. Protection, protection, protection. You need a layer up completely because there's like, you have some pretty decent linemen there, but not a great offensive line. And you need to build upon that because um, though I think people are very much overreacting with this, I do agree with the sentiment that if you don't protect him, Joe Burrow could become the next Andrew Luck, which is the fact that Luck kept getting injured and he never really had protection. And then when he got protection, it was too late because he just – his body is broken down and he retired. So you, you've got to do that. If you're Cincinnati, you have to invest in your, um, in your asset, in your most important asset. And that is Joe Burrow hands down. I think he's going to be one of the top five QBs in the NFL for a long time. I don't know if I'd say he's there now, but he's probably inside that top 10. He's definitely around there. He's one of the best players right now in the NFL. Um, so offensive line is going to be the biggest thing in the draft in particular, but if you can land some free agents, that'd be nice. 
or like probably one free agent. That'd be nice. Um, but otherwise, probably in free agency and hopefully in the draft, you need to cover up some defensive uh, roles here, particularly in the secondary. Your secondary was a mess, particularly at the cornerback spot. Um, you need to get some guys to support to Wouzier um, because that was uh, one of your bigger issues in the Super Bowl. But then otherwise, I'm not that mad at the Von Bell-Jesse Bates pairing. Um, definitely you need to lock down Jesse Bates into an extension because he's still one of the better defensive players in the NFL on his day. Um, and I think that Jesse Bates Von Bell works relatively well together. So I think if you can get a better corner, like a better couple corners, um, maybe getting just some depth at the linebacker and D line position, and then really just getting protection for Joe Burrow. I think that this team could be right back in the Super Bowl within the next couple of years, uh, probably even winning it because this is a young team with a lot of cap space and a lot of potential. Um, but with that in mind, then how about the Los Angeles Rams as well, who are definitely on like the opposite side of that scale? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, Whitworth's gone, um, 40 years old. That's that was impressive in and of itself to see him perform so well in the Super Bowl and earn himself a ring at 40 years old, especially at such a tough position for longevity as an old lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, we you and I were talking about it before the podcast, the rumors of who might be retiring and who will. Um Aaron Donald's in the conversation at that position. That's pretty much around the age when guys start to have that conversation, especially with the success he's had in his career. He's 32 years old. Um, I would not be surprised to see that come to fruition. Um, Von Miller is definitely up there as well. He's a guy who I could see going. Now, this is going to be incredibly controversial. Um, Wide receivers tend to have a little bit shorter careers, or at least you see them drop off pretty quickly. Odell's coming off his second injury now, and he's going into his age 30 season considering the popularity he's had in his career we've seen guys in his position before you know take a small break or wrap it up completely I would not be surprised to see him threaten to either retire or take step away from football quote unquote um I know it sounds crazy he's 29 right now he's going into his age 30 season but he's been so big and his and his drop off has been so rapid I would not be surprised to see that happen that's something to look out for over this break as well yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I, I did want to throw in there the fact of uh, those Los Angeles retirements because it's something that I did want to talk about here with them. But um, with Odell thrown in there as well, um, there is a slew of players that were very important in the Super Bowl run that could be retiring that I do want to run through. Aaron Donald, I mean, he's 30. I don't think he's going to retire. Um, I, 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 you know, he said that he was going to consider it. That was the big news. But He's been one of the best players at his position. There's so much money for him to still earn. Um, he's still got such a long career ahead of him if he wants it. Um, obviously, he could retire, and he has, like, you know, all the money in the world. He'd be set for life. Um, but I don't, I don't think he will. I, I think he, he'll keep going with it. I mean, he's still so young. Um, Vaughn Miller, that's one that I kind of toss up. I, I think that's kind of – half dozen one half dozen the other type of thing that I think that he could, but I think if he does retire, it's because he's not getting the type of deal that he wants from the free agency. Cause I don't think he's going to get back in LA with their cap situation. Um, so, but if he does get a deal that like he'd be willing to take, then I could see him still playing like two, three more years. Um, I don't think he'll go back to, eh, he could go back to Denver. I don't think there's too much lost love between the two. 
And really Denver sent, you know, they, they sent him away this year and got him a chip. So, I mean, why wouldn't he want to return? But I, I digress. Um, I, I'm kind of 50, 50 on him. Eric Weddle's retired. I think, uh, I think he'll retire. He, he came out of retirement uh, during this off season to uh, join the Rams because they were having some safety issues and he went and got a Super Bowl. I don't think he's going to go back into it. Um, Andrew Whitworth at 40, as you mentioned, there's a possibility he doesn't retire, but I think it's most likely he does. He had a long career. Um, and as he mentioned uh, in like his post-game interview, he just got to play the Super Bowl against his former team and win. Uh, and there's really nothing that's cooler than that, I personally think. And I think that's not even what he mentioned. So I think just kind of like having that type of special of a moment is like, you know what? I can, I can call it here. Um, and then the last guy is Odell that you mentioned. And I think that's very fair uh, to mention him because he has had a couple huge injuries in recent years. And it's less that he's on a downtrend, but more the fact of having those big injuries and now having probably yet another big injury during the, during the Super Bowl. It could just be something where he hangs up the cleats and he's like, yeah, I got my chip. I had some incredible years. No reason to keep going. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of consider him in the Von Miller type situation. I, I think that if he's able to get the right deal uh, from anybody to like, if there's enough money on the table, he'll probably still play. Uh, but I don't think he's going to end back up in LA. I believe his contract expires as well. Um, I believe both his and Von Miller's contracts expired. Um, so I don't think he's going to stay in Los Angeles, uh, unfortunately for Stafford, because he's one of his favorite targets once Woods got injured. Um, but yeah, I, I think he will definitely like, if he does stay, he's just going to get a deal that he likes or the, the other situation, which is different from Miller's is if they decide to move on from Robert Woods, uh, whether from trade or restructuring his contract or cutting him or anything like that. I've heard that that is a possibility. Um, and if they do 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 that and then have enough cap space to try to resign Odell, I think Odell would probably stay with Los Angeles if he could. So that's kind of the scenarios for those retired players. Otherwise, Los Angeles isn't going to really be able to do much. Like the team that they have now is the team they have, if you know what I mean. Like they're, they're not in a great cap situation. Uh, they don't have that first round pick because they traded it to Detroit. But, you know, thank the Lord that they did because they went and got a Super Bowl with, from Matthew Stafford in his first year there. So I think that, uh, you know, they, they aren't going to be too mad. that They aren't going to do anything this offseason, but they'll try to do what they can. They'll get some smaller players. They'll get some guys like day two, day three, and they've been able to do well there. So really for the Rams, it's just making sure that you keep that offensive line stable and definitely trying to add to that secondary as well. Similar spots to Cincinnati, just because, I believe you also have like Darius Williams in your secondary who might leave. And then on top of that, with no Weddle, like Taylor Rapp was like your clear cut best safety. So you should get another. So that's most <laughs> very long winded there for the Rams, but that's really everything for their off season. So with all that in mind, there is one last thing I want to touch up on here, uh, Kyle, before we end this special episode, uh, talking Super Bowl and some NFL. I do want to talk about, um, as the postseason has started and it is very exciting, um, you know, the, there's a possible huge quarterback carousel that may happen again. Uh, there's going to already be rumors starting to fly of where players could go. 
um, this, that, and the other. We have all the coaches that we signed that got signed down, and we've already talked about that. We have the Todd McShay mock draft uh, that just came out this past week, and I did want to touch up on that real quick and touch up on some of the interesting things that we found in it. So, what, what did you see in that mock draft that you found very interesting? Well, to start off, the new number one pick essentially is Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you, I know before the podcast, not a big fan of it for me, it, it just to me says that they want to stick with Trevor Lawrence for a very long time and they want to protect him. So to me, that's actually a really good pick and something that I could see very well happening. Um, the fact of the matter is the Jaguars could ha- use help everywhere except the quarterback position. Um, so they could literally draft anybody other than a quarterback and it would be a good pick. Um, you know, so that's why we always saw Aiden Hutchinson and Thibodeau up towards the top because those guys are clearly the most talented, um, not just at their position, but just in general. Their draft stock's probably the highest out of all athletes. But considering Alabama or Jacksonville, excuse me, is probably going to look for protection for their quarterback that they're trying to stick with for a long time. I'm not surprised to see that happen. Hutchinson falls to two. I think that's perfectly normal to see him get drafted by the Lions. I would not be surprised if that happens. Um, but to me, the Houston Texans, another team that could kind of go anywhere, um, getting Kyle Hamilton a safety out of Notre Dame would make sense. But honestly, I see them trying to stack up their defense a little bit more. I would expect them to see Thibodeau go instead of their um, instead of Kyle Hamilton in the secondary. Um, I just don't think you know the secondary is going to be as important in the conference they play in. Um, so I, I would expect them to say um, you know to go with Thibodeau. Other than that, I'm really surprised to see Kenny Pickett fall all the way up to the number 11 spot. That's a lot higher than previous. I think he had the first quarterback going, whether it's him or other names, probably somewhere in like 15th, 16th, mid first round, but having him all the way up to the 11th pick. um, I guess he's just staying on top of what the Washington commanders need right now. And it makes a lot of sense considering the quarterback slot is completely empty. I would not be surprised to see that happen. Um, So really just a couple of shocks with up towards the top of it. Otherwise, I think a lot of these picks make sense. Um, I I would expect Thibodeau to go a lot higher than the fifth spot, though. I I do think Thibodeau falling to five was very surprising, particularly since we talked about all the way up until college football playoffs that he was like the, you know, evident, clear-cut, number one pick of this draft. Um, The only reason why I didn't really like the Jacksonville one is not only for the fact that they might re-sign Cam Robinson – but it was mostly due to the fact that I feel like edge rush has become the most important position here in the NFL. And I think Josh Allen needs that partner in crime to really, you know, help him get loose a little bit more. And I think a Thibodeau or a Hutchinson could be, you know, you know, almost like an invaluable, you know, like, like you can't really put a price on that type of draft pick there for Jacksonville if they stay at one. Otherwise, I mean, you know, there wasn't too many trades in this. We don't talk, he doesn't talk too much about trades. We aren't going to talk too much about trades yet but I mean otherwise I personally think that Jacksonville might and possibly should trade out of this pick just to get some more value um but really some things that surprised me is you're absolutely right with Houston on Kyle Hamilton but particularly for the fact that Justin Reed is also on their team right now so I don't know what having two elite safeties would really do to help you um if anything here you would draft if you're to say in the secondary like a Derek Stingley or Amon Sauce Gardner but I don't even think Sauce Gardner going this high makes sense at all. So if anything, it would either be Stingley or Thibodeau here, um, which is where I do agree with you. 
I also think that Sauce Gardner going at six, particularly going to the Panthers who traded for uh, CJ Henderson as well as Stephon Gilmore makes absolutely no sense. Um, like at all. They have JC Horn. They have uh, AJ Bouye, who I'm pretty sure is still in contract. Uh, Gilmore's contract, I'm pretty sure, expired, and C.J. Henderson is still in contract. And Henderson, if I remember right, looks pretty good for the Panthers uh, after getting traded there. So you have Horn and Henderson, who you could be your outside guys. So really, if anything, you might be looking for a slot guy uh, if Bouye's contract's expired. But why would you draft another corner? It would make no sense. I mean, you probably have the most dynamic young secondary in the NFL, but there's so many bigger needs like linemen and quarterback for the team that Sauce Gardner makes no sense. Um, I think also we talked about Kenny Pickett going at 11 was kind of eh. Um, I mean, you've had Coral and Willis mocks there before. Um, and I think quarterback is the biggest need for Washington. Um, but I, I don't know if Kenny Pickett would quite be the guy that they're going to look for. Um, really one of my bigger things that I didn't like was Malik Willis going to Pittsburgh. Malik Willis is a very mobile quarterback and I, and is someone that I think is going to need a little bit of time to develop or at the very least should definitely have a guiding hand. And with Ben Brothelsberger being retired, he'd be, you know, assumed there to be the guy. And with how this offense has been run by Mike Tom or, or, you know, has been run in the Mike Tomlin era, it has not had a mobile quarterback and mobile quarterbacks have not had much success. Like Michael Vick, when he went to Pittsburgh um, and big Ben got injured that one year. It was a while ago, but like Michael Vick didn't have much success in Pittsburgh. So I don't know why they would go for someone like Malik Willis when they could have went for Matt Coral. Like, I feel like Coral in that case, the guy who McShay had be, being taken right after would have made more sense. Uh, Traylon Burks to Philadelphia. I mean, I, I think the fit kind of makes sense having that physical guy to compare to Devonta Smith, but I also feel like if anything, Chris Olave would probably go before him. I like Olave as a talent a lot. Um, beyond that, David Ajabo going at 24th was a very, like very much a crime to me. I think he's someone that can go inside the top 10. Um, and beyond that, I mean, the only other pick that I kind of had a little bit of a question mark about was Jamison Williams, Tampa Bay. And part of the reason I get it is because, they're going to be losing Chris Godwin, but um, mostly it's, you know, since they lost Tom Brady, you would assume that either they're going to trade that first round pick for a quarterback and then you'd have another team picking there, or they would go in either a draft, you know, a like for like guy to replace Chris Godwin, like Jahan Dotson or B actually go and draft a quarterback. So that pick kind of makes no sense out of Tom Brady retirement, but that's, that's all me. Um, that, that's, that's kind of the stuff that I questioned. Otherwise there's a lot of pieces I liked and a lot of things that, he had that I liked, like a Quonu going to uh, New York Jets. And I'm trying to remember the other one, like Garrett Wilson to Cleveland and Drake London to Atlanta. There, there were some picks in there that I definitely agree with. Um, with that being said, is there anything else that you have to add, Kyle? No, I think you summed it all up. All right. So there's going to be a lot of draft news coming out over the coming months. And there's going to be some free agent news to talk about. And on top of all of that, there's obviously still college sports to talk about, as in just about a month now, March Madness will be upon us. So very exciting times here at 3304 Sports. And as we are transitioning out of the NFL season, we hope that you continue to stay with us through uh, coverage of the NFL postseason and every, you know, every other sport here that we cover on the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day and take care.